0: i have like 20 i I sang it like five times
1: yeah it's 20 more times (laughs) i Weldon
0: and I'm Juliana Cantarelli Vita.
1: This is Massa, a podcast about Brazilian music and culture.
0: Skylar and I are musicians and music professors. In each episode, we dive into a specific genre, song, artist or issue in Brazilian music to try to understand how it works and what it means.
1: How's it going today, Juliana?
0: Great. How about you?
1: I'm very excited about this episode
0: say that I say that all the time, and now you're saying it. <laughs>
1: uh, fair enough.
0: <laughs> the topic today is bayon, which is, no surprise, a kind of complicated term.
1: Yes, but most succinctly, bayon refers to a duple meter dance genre from the Brazilian Northeast that is characterized by a specific syncopated rhythm. It's the primary and probably first rhythm of the broader genre known as foho, that we've been focusing on in these last few episodes. In fact, before the term Fajal was used to describe this genre, a lot of people just called it Bayon.
0: Like all of the sub-genres within Fajal, the person most responsible for the popularity of the Bayon is Luis Gonzaga.
1: I mean, he is the goat.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> I see what you did there. But he's, he's also the hey do Bayon.
1: Meaning the King of the Bayon.
0: So I see no reason why we don't start with one of his compositions.
1: How about we don't overthink it? It, <laughs> it just play the song Bayão.
0: Sold. Here's a 1981 live recording of Luiz Gonzaga playing Bayão.
2: Eu vou mostrar para vocês como se dança o baião. Quem quiser aprender é só tocar a testaão. Coreno, chega pra cá. Pergunta ao meu coração. Agora é só me seguir pois eu vou dançar o baião.
0: This is a pretty concise and clear showcase of all the elements of the bayon.
1: The ensemble is the classic trio of accordion, triangle, and the bass drum-like instrument Zabumba.
0: The baiao rhythm, which we'll explain shortly, is clearly audible.
1: And the lyrics are even about dancing the baiao.
0: So let's get into the context and qualities of the baiao.
1: With some
3: help, of course.
0: Of course, we're happy to welcome Julinho Mendes again to share his expertise as an accordion player and forrozeiro.
3: My name is
4: Julio Cesar Mendes. My family and friends know me as Julinho which is the diminutive of my name. I play accordion, and here in Brazil, in the Northeast region,
1: the accordion is called sanfona. Julinho will be popping in throughout the episode to play for us and recount some stories.
0: Let's start with the term baião. Everyone must be dying to know what that means.
1: (laughs) Right, the term baião may be a regional variation of the word baiano, which means bahian, or from Bahia. Bahia is the largest state in the Brazilian Northeast it's possible that it was a particular rhythm that was thought to originate in Bahia and thus given that name. As a designation for a particular dance rhythm, the Bayon is not the same as the Bayanu, but is likely an outgrowth of it.
0: In the early part of the 20th century, the Bayon wasn't its own genre, but a rhythm characteristic played by singers on the viola, a guitar-like instrument that we discussed in our very first episode. They would play this rhythm in between their singing portions.
1: Just to draw a couple of parallels, for those who listen to our episodes on Maracatu Jibáke Solto, you might remember that there are traditionally two poets who improvise verses, trading off. Well, the viola tradition in the northeast has this characteristic. While one person is improvising lyrics, the other one is accompanying, and they trade off.
0: And the bayon was a rhythm that was often used either before the poetry or as an accompaniment.
1: Julinho told us about a recording that showcases the bayon rhythm as played by one of these violeiros. Yes, in
0: 1938, the writer and folklorist Mari Andrade had a number of regional musics recorded, and in Paraíba, another state in the Northeast region, they were lucky enough to find a violero, a virtuoso, who could play without the song
3: parts.
4: So, probably, they told him, play something for us to record, and he plays a bayon. You clearly recognize what he's doing as a bayon, as it's played today. I can say with near absolute certainty that the bayon, as it is today, comes from the way that the violeiros play the viola. Because while the violeiro is thinking up a verse, and one is paying attention to the other, he is playing a bayon.
0: Check out that recording.
1: Come back soon to What Makes That a Bayon.
0: In terms of the bayon's entrance into the Brazilian recording industry, there is a very definitive originary moment. Let's hear it. Okay. Well, what do you know about Luis Gonzaga's life?
5: Let's see.
1: I know he's from a small village in the interior of Pernambuco. Right. And that he enlisted in the army when he was pretty young.
0: In 1930, to be exact, when he was 17.
1: And that while he was in the army throughout the 1930s, he lived all over eventually being transferred to Rio. In
0: 1939.
1: In Rio, he played music and quit the army.
0: We should say that he was an accordion player.
1: (laughs) Right, like his father, Januario.
0: His father played a type of accordion called oito baixos, which is so named because it has only eight bass notes.
1: But Luis Gonzaga played the more common accordion that has Dozens of bass notes. Exactly. So in Rio, he was playing music, mostly popular songs from Rio, and even some international hits. But he wasn't having that much success until one day, a group of Northeasterners requested some regional tunes.
0: Which Gonzaga knew because that's the music his father played while he was growing up.
1: And so he played them and suddenly he started to get some attention. So he refocused his efforts toward Northeastern rhythms like shachi and sha that we talked about in the last two episodes.
0: Pretty good.
1: Thanks. Folks can read a bit more about this story in Brian McCann's book, Hello, Hello, Brazil.
0: Even if Luiz Gonzaga had that realization one day that he should start playing northeastern rhythms, he still wasn't quite an overnight success. Okay. He wrote songs and had them recorded during the 1940s. And he had some success on the radio as a performer. But it wasn't until 1946 that his fame exploded.
1: Oh, what happened in 1946?
0: Well, in 1946, he met a guy named Umberto Teixeira, who was a songwriter from the state of Ceará who had moved to Rio to, Rio, to go to law school.
1: Wait, in our Shoachi episode, we heard a song that Gonzaga and Teixeira wrote together called Númeo no Page Seja.
0: <laughs> Spoilers! Oh, sorry. Actually, it's it's fine. That's the first song that they wrote together.
1: Not bad for a first song.
0: Not at all. Though their second song is the one that really established them as a formidable duo. It, it also established a new genre. Bayon. Exactly. The song's called? Bayon. Bayon. The genre would soon be called Bayon as well. You can read more about this story in Michael Visiverse's book, Voices of Drought.
1: Great book. Let's listen to some of the first recordings of that song. Um, This is the 1946 version of Bayão, recorded by Quatro Azis e um Coringa.
6: Eu já dancei balaceiro, chamei com samba e xerém, mas no baião tem um quê que as outras danças não tem, pois quem quiser só dizer, pois eu com satisfação vou dançar cantando o baião.
0: Before we get into the musical features of this song, let's have a look at the lyrics. Sounds good. The opening lyric is, I'm going to show you how to dance the baião, and whoever wants to learn, better pay attention.
1: We've seen this so many times now, <laughs> music about the music.
0: Yes, the lyrics establish the baião as a dance.
1: He also mentioned some other dance rhythms that he's danced in the past, like shamegu and samba.
0: And balanceio, which apparently is similar to the baião. But the bayon is a bit simpler and therefore caught on a bit more easily.
1: One other lyric I'd highlight is the later verse where the lyrics recount Luis Gonzaga's personal journey and simultaneously establish his credibility as a cultural emissary of the Northeast.
0: He says, I've already sung in Pará, played accordion in Belém, sung in Ciara, and I know what's best. Clever. Isn't it?
1: So apparently that version by Quatro Azis y un Coringa was so popular that Gonzaga had to wait three years to put out his own version. But Gonzaga's version moves things a ways toward the sound we've come to expect when we think of Fajó, or even Luis Gonzaga himself.
0: Yes, the traditional fojó ensemble of accordion triangle and zabumba that we mentioned before was partly established by Gonzaga and now known as the ensemble for fojó pedicerra.
1: Gonzaga's first recording of this song moves part of the way toward that ensemble, but for a variety of reasons, it's not exactly that ensemble. It seems that the jangles on the pandeiru, which is sort of a tambourine-like instrument, are standing in for the traditional triangle. ¶¶
2: quiser aprender, coração.
0: That's much closer to the sound we expect from Farrol but it actually doesn't have the characteristic baião beat.
1: I know. It's kind of ironic, actually. <laughs> but also, no one knows what we're talking about, so <laughs> let's get into those musical features and explain.
0: Sounds good. Let's start with the zabumba, as that's the instrument that establishes things.
1: Great. Here's how Julinho described the baião beat.
4: The baião has a dotted 8th, 16th quarter. It has a dotted 8th, and a sixteenth tied to a quarter note. So,
5: and variations of that,
4: of which there are many.
0: Let's demonstrate.
1: So, as we've pointed out before, the zabumba is a double-headed bass drum played with two sticks. One is a mallet called pirulito that can play open strokes. or closed strokes on the top head of the drum. The other stick called bacalhau is thin and plays on the bottom head. It has a higher pitched sound like this.
0: The bayon is in a double meter. One, two, one, two.
1: The characteristic rhythm is established with the mallet hand. It plays a closed stroke on the first pulse, and an open stroke just before the second pulse.
0: That creates an asymmetrical pattern that sounds like this. One, two,
1: one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one. Let's show what it would sound like if you played the second stroke on the pulse instead of before it. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. And now again, what does the biome sound like?
0: It's fairly simple, but something about that syncopation keeps things interesting and moving forward.
1: True, yeah. Let's add the bacalhau.
0: The simplest version of the pattern has the bacalhau playing on the end of each pulse, that is, dividing the pulses evenly. From that bass, the Zabombeira can play many different variations.
1: Adding these variations is important to maintain interest, both for the players and the audience, but requires an intimate knowledge of the structure of the song and the melody and everything else.
0: And for the most part, these variations are not pre-rehearsed. They come with improvisatory interactions between the members of the ensemble. Julinho talked about this.
4: Everything in forró revolves around the zabumba. It's the zabumba that defines what kind of song it is. But an experienced zabumbeiro recognizes how the accordion player plays and the ensemble comes together, like in rock with the drum set and bass. This has to work, it has to go together. They have to converse in the same language for the performance to stay balanced.
0: We'll get into how the accordion works in a minute, but this is notable. Here's an accordion player talking about the centrality of the zabumba to the Fajor ensemble.
1: Let's listen again to Luis Gonzaga's 1949 recording of the song and compare it to the version he recorded 30 years later. Try to focus on the zabumba and listen for that pattern that Juliana just demonstrated.
2: Eu vou mostrar there. vocês como se dança o baião. E quem quiser aprender, a favor prestar atenção. Porém, pra cá junto ao meu coração agora é só me seguir pois eu vou dançar o
0: baião. So, mm, it's not there.
1: Nope. The player is playing those two beats that characterize the bayou, but then adds two more after.
0: To those listening, I promise we're not just showing you this to confuse you.
1: Are you sure?
0: I am! <laughs> it's not to be confusing. It's to show that these defining musical characteristics are rarely static. A new genre emerges. It's played in all kinds of ways. Eventually, one of those ways catches on. After some time, that genre gets taught formally as opposed to being transmitted only through performance. And in that process, things get codified.
1: Speaking of which, let's go back to the 1981 performance we heard at the beginning.
0: There is that Zabumba rhythm that we've come to expect from the baiao.
1: Exactly. Here, compare that recording to the violeiro we heard earlier, the field recording from Paraíba as part of Mario de Andrade's 1938 folkloric mission.
0: Those are the same. So what's going on here? Why is the 1938 field recording more similar to the 1981 recording than the 1949 one?
1: It's hard to know for sure, but let's think about the conditions under which the 1949 recording was made. The bayon is a northeastern rhythm that Luis Gonzaga was introducing to a broader audience through recordings he made in Rio de Janeiro, Rio. I don't know who's accompanying him in Rio in the late 1940s, but it's possible that whoever it was... Didn't know the bayon like he did.
0: Right, so in these earliest commercial recordings, it was already being adapted by and for a southeastern audience.
1: And over time, the rhythm starts to coalesce more in the way it was played in the northeast.
0: Then, once the pattern is established, it can be augmented with variations. Note how the Zabombeiro takes liberties with the pattern when Gonzaga isn't singing.
1: Yeah, in fact, if we listen to a bunch of different baiões, that's the plural of baião, by the way, we'll notice that people insert all kinds of variations into their accompaniment.
0: So much so that it can sometimes be hard to distinguish whether a rhythm is, in fact, a baião. I like
1: to think of the classic accompaniment, the one that you would learn in your zabumba lesson, as a point of departure. Depending on the qualities of the song, the intimacy between the performers, and how much they want to make their music legible as a bayon, they might stick to the traditional rhythm or they might depart from it.
0: That's a good way to think about it. With all these different dance genres we've been discussing, bayon, but also chachado and shotty.
1: How about we talk about the harmonic and melodic aspects of this song?
0: Great! The first thing to note is that this song uses the mixolydian scale, or mixolydian mode.
1: We explained this in our episode on the poetry of Marakatujibaki Soltu, but to quickly recap, the mixolydian mode is a seven-note scale that is similar to the major scale, except that the seventh scale degree is flattened or a little lower.
0: Ooh, is that the pitch? I think so, do, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, te, do.
1: This scale is very common in a lot of Northeastern music, including many by
0: This scale is typically not established linearly, like I just sang it. Rather, it's established by outlining a four-note chord. Do, mi, sol, te. This string of notes tells you right away that you are not in a major key. And a lot of songs include it in their melodies.
1: Yeah. Totally. And including this one, as Julinho told us. Another
4: example that is truly modal is the song called Bayon. The song Bayon, which is an arpeggio with the flattened seventh right from the start. It begins right away with the structure of a dominant chord.
0: If this were a major scale, that chord the melody outlines. Eu vou mostrar would be used to create tension that requires a harmonic resolution to a hum chord. But here, it is the hum chord that is the settled, resolved space.
1: The roots of that harmonic melodic structure are outside of the scope of this episode, but Julinho told us that he had a chance to inspect the accordion, the oito baixos, that Luis Gonzaga's dad, Januario, played, the actual instrument itself. And when he did, he noticed that the instrument was connected to this scale choice.
4: You take January's old oito baixos, and you understand that once in a while, when you're playing something very diatonic, it lands on that seventh scale degree of the Mixolydian, and this became part of the aesthetic. I've seen a thousand theories about this and come to understand that it is a simple matter of technical limitations.
0: The instrument itself only had that mixolydian scale as an option if you started on a certain note. So it may have contributed to the development of this aesthetic.
1: It's so interesting to see how the material conditions contribute to the aesthetic properties of a particular genre or something like that. I I find it fascinating. Yeah. What about the accordion accompaniment? Um, One thing I noticed is that in a small instrumental ensemble, all of the instruments end up playing a rhythmic role.
0: Yes, Julien described how the two different hands of the accordionist, one of which plays bass notes and the other of which plays melodies and chords, contribute to the rhythmic aspects and arrangement of a performance.
4: The basic pattern that is very similar or the same as what Luis Gonzaga played, which is already very filled in, is this. There are two very simple things here. If I separate one from the other, it's not going to make sense. The right hand is this. With the specific accents and articulation, obviously, this will be learned eventually. And the bass is just this. Separately, they don't make much sense. It's a mixture of little elements. From this basic pattern, there are a thousand other patterns that begin with the entrance of the effects of the bellow shake and the effects of articulation. This pattern can become... If I play only the bass, it apparently is more complete. But if I play this full pattern, it becomes totally overcrowded, with no space. If you play this more ornamented pattern, when you're soloing with the right hand, it's... If I play the solo with a simpler accompaniment, it's... With the more ornamented pattern... It's more complete. And, and other accordionists play the pattern in other ways.
1: As with all of these subgenres of faha, time has helped solidify standard musical features, such as the ones that Julien just demonstrated. But players have also taken liberties and explored their possibilities as modes of expression.
0: With that in mind, let's share some examples of other songs that either are bayonish or draw on the bayon as an inspiration.
1: Sounds good. Um, there are literally thousands of options. <laughs> uh, mm? I listened to all of them preparing for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you did. So where do you want to start?
0: Well, since we're going to play a few well-known examples in our next episode, let's get weird and show off some lesser-known songs. Yes,
1: let's get weird. (laughs)
0: I'm into it. I'd like to start with a bayonne played outside of the fahaw genre. Okay. This is an example of a banda d'epiphanoush which is a flute-based ensemble that you'll encounter in both sacred and secular contexts in the Northeast. The Zabumba was likely adopted from this tradition.
1: This example is by the group Banda de Epífanos Cultural de Caruaru 100% Regional. It's called Baião e Novena.
0: Listen for the standard Baião rhythm, but also take note of how the flutes fill in the harmonies and melodies much like the accordion in the Fahalan ensemble.
1: yeah, that Zabumba beat is clearly the t rhythm that we've heard before.
0: And while there's no triangle, there is a snare drum and some kind of symbol that fill in the subdivisions of the beat.
1: I think it's fair to say that the Mixolydian scale is what we're hearing here.
0: Yes. <mental giantitudBackavian noise> <speaking gibberish>
1: now, I don't want to create any misconceptions about where this recording falls in the history of the Bayoum's standardization. This recording is from decades after. After Luis Gonzaga established that rhythm as a popular touchstone, so it's likely that this recording is as influenced by Gonzaga as Gonzaga was by Bun's *Gipifenu* that he had heard earlier in his life.
0: Absolutely. Next up is Clemilda, a singer from the state of Alagoas, which is also in the Brazilian Northeast.
1: Clemilda's recording career started in the mid-1960s, but she didn't achieve any major fame until the nineteen eighties.
0: We're going to talk about a song from her very first album, Falha Sem Briga. This is the title track.
1: See if you can't pick out that t-tchoom bayon rhythm in this one.
7: Eu não gosto de forró que não tem briga, forró que não tem briga, não me diga que é forró. Eu não gosto de forró que não tem briga, pelo menos uma intriga tem que sair no forró. Eu não gosto de forró que não tem briga, forró que não tem briga, não me diga que é forró. Eu não gosto de forró que não tem briga, pelo menos uma intriga tem que sair no forró. Pra mim só é forró, quando tem homem tem babá e o pacô me sem a gente esperar. E o cheiro da cachaça faz a gente arriscar. O cabra quando vê falar em encota Sai correndo lá pra porta com vergonha de passar. Aí é quando o nego lhe ataca Ele diz é faca no primeiro que passar Aí é quando o nego lhe ataca Ele diz é faca no primeiro que passar Eu não gosto de forró que não tem briga Forró que não tem briga, não me diga que é forró Eu não gosto de forró que não tem briga Pelo menos uma intriga tem que sair do forró
0: So here we are, about 15, 20 years after Luis Gonzaga established the Bayon, and by this point, it has really coalesced into a recognizable rhythm.
1: Absolutely. But the lyrics don't mention the Bayon. In fact, they mention forró.
0: But in this case, the Fajó in question is the party, not the music genre.
1: Right. We discussed this in our Festa Junina's episode, but to recap, the term Fajó originally referred to the party where all of these genres would be played. Eventually, the term came to be used as a genre marker.
0: So, within the genre of Fajó, you might hear shotis, chachados, and bayons.
1: Sometimes Fajó is also used to describe a particular rhythm that is derived from the bayon. We'll get into that in the next episode.
0: Now, the lyrics of this song are really wild
1: totally wild the composers amadeu macedo and garcia santos i've never heard of them actually but they paint quite a picture of a fall
0: the refrain lyrics are i don't like a forró that has no fighting for without a fight don't tell me that's a forró i don't like a forró that has no fighting at least a little intrigue has to happen at a forró it's
1: really a heavy especially in english um, at least the internal rhymes and repetitions provide a little sonic pleasure in the original
0: Portuguese. Okay, it's
1: still heavy in Portuguese, but somehow it's fun too, I don't know.
0: Yes. It's fun to say. <laughs> but we're not endorsing that message. <laughs> no,
1: not at all. especially the part later in the song about the knife fight that ensues after the check arrives.
0: I will mention that the knife wielding tough guy is called a cabra, which some listeners might remember as a term used for the members of lumpmpion's crew.
1: Yes. The other important aspect of the lyric is some sexual imagery that is frankly surprising to hear in a song from 1965. At that point, censorship of popular recordings was extremely common, both on political and moral
7: grounds.
0: The is actually known for the double tenders in her lyrics.
1: This is very evident in her first big hit, 1985's Brenda Utadeu. She was the lyricist for this song.
0: We'll talk about the lyrics in a minute, but for now, see how that "dik doom bayan rhythm has been moved to the bass guitar and slightly obscured by the arrangement, which now includes a drum set in addition to the accordion.
1: listeners who are familiar with forró nowadays, this is probably closer to what they're used to.
0: Yeah, this isn't forró pedicerra. This is a contemporary ensemble appropriate for a stage or a bar performance.
1: An experienced forró would have to say for sure whether this is technically a bayou or not, but there is no question that it is derived from the bayou. Definitely. So what about the lyrics?
0: Well, the lyrics jokingly ask the police to arrest a womanizer named Tadeu. She says that Tadeu already got her sister and (laughs) it's fairly easy to imagine what happened next. The joking manner in which she communicates the lyrics and the fact that her sister was happy with Tadeu only growing sad after his split seems to indicate that everything was consensual. But I think nowadays this would be a hard sell.
1: I agree. But this song showcases something important that I don't know that we've discussed yet. Fajor is not just about teaching dance steps and telling the stories of legendary folk heroes. It often speaks to the real, everyday experiences of normal people. And that's part of the reason that it's one of the most popular genres in Brazil and has been for a very long time.
0: And the fact that this story is embedded in a very danceable song is also important.
1: Yeah, so even if it has this... Risque story that we might not be so inclined to write in 2021. <laughs> it's still an important part of the history of the genre.
3: Yes,
0: exactly.
1: The Baião has also been an important part of MPB, or Música Popular Brasileira.
0: We talked about this in our very first episode when we discussed Raimundo Sodré's song, A Massa.
1: Yes. Well, let's listen to another example of this with Djavan's song, Maçã de Rosto.
6: Que é isso, preta, não faço isso, não, 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 Esse seu chamego é bom demais para o meu coração. Que é isso, preta, não faço isso, não, 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 não. Esse seu chamego é bom demais para o meu coração. Me ame devagarinho, sem fazer nenhum esforço. Tô doido por seu carinho. Pra sentir aquele gosto que você tem na maçã do rosto Que você tem na maçã do seu rosto Me ame devagarinho, sem fazer nenhum esforço Tô doido pro seu carinho, pra sentir aquele gosto Que você tem na maçã do rosto Que você tem na maçã Beijo que eu vou te dar. Por você, meu desejo aumentou e pode me matar. Vem morrer nesse beijo que eu vou te dar. Por você, meu desejo aumentou e pode me matar. Vê, 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 tô ideal.
0: Like Clemuda, Djavan is from Alagoas.
1: He is a major MPB star.
0: Yes. The songs from his first album, 1975's A Voice e o Violão, A Musica de Djavan.
1: Much as we explained with Raimundo Sodré's Amasa, the zabumba beat that we associate with the baiao has been transposed onto the bass guitar here. That second bass note comes just before the pulse, which creates the asymmetrical bayon feel.
0: Meanwhile, the offbeat guitar is reminiscent of the bacalhau hits, or the way that the accordion frequently plays the chords as offbeats.
1: There's also an electric piano that fills in the chords in the absence of the accordion and the prominent triangle, which continues over from the foja
6: ensemble.
0: Lyrically, this is a love song. Djavan is describing his sweetheart's cheeks or cheekbones using the popular expression maçã do rosto which translates literally to apples of the face.
1: It's interesting how the bayon here doesn't seem to have any special significance as a rhythm. It's not highlighted. It's just part of the vocabulary.
0: For sure. It subtly signifies northeasternness, but it's not obvious. And the song isn't about a northeastern topic, so to speak.
1: As long as we're discussing Bay musicians that draw on the bayon, let's listen to a song that is a little less subtle. Okay. During this forró journey, we've already heard the likes of Alceu Valença, Zé Ramalho, and Elba Ramalho drawing on these regional dance rhythms in an MPB context.
0: Speaking of which, let's listen to Zé Ramalho, Elba Ramalho, and the Pernambucano Geraldo Azevedo performing Vital Farias's Ai Que Saudade Doce. This is from the 1997 album O Grande Encontro 2.
3: que saudade doce.
6: Você se se lembrar Escreva a carta pra mim Bote logo no correio Com frases dizendo assim Faz tempo que não te vejo Quero matar meu desejo Te mando um monte de beijos Ai que saudade sem fim Ai que saudade sem fim
1: The song starts with a non-metrical introduction sung by Elba.
0: This kind of voice and guitar arrangement is obviously common in a lot of popular commercial music, but in this context, I'd have to say that it connects to the violeta tradition of the Brazilian Northeast that has come up a bunch of times recently.
1: No doubt. It's an incredibly poetic sentiment. The song's protagonist is feeling that saudade or nostalgic longing for their beloved and sends a hummingbird with a kiss to quench that longing.
0: Hummingbird in Portuguese is beija-flor or flower kiss. So having that particular bird serve as the emissary of a kiss is a poetically informed choice.
1: After the introduction, we have that clear bayan rhythm and it's even played on a zabumba.
0: The rest of the ensemble includes a triangle and an accordion, completing the classic ensemble.
1: But it also includes a flute section, which recalls the bandage pifano that we heard earlier. And the acoustic guitar continues as well.
0: This reads more as faha than the Djavan song, But it still has something MPB-MPB about it.
1: It's funny, we've been playing examples of MPB throughout the run of this podcast.
0: Almost every episode has at least one.
1: And since, say, the 1970s, MPB has been defined, basically, as popular recorded music that draws on North American popular music but filters it through the lens of Brazilian traditions.
0: So you might have samba with electric guitars or a rock song with a bidding bow or, in this case, a bayon reinterpreted through what might sound to non residents like a pop rock ensemble.
1: And because this song is deep down a bayon, it's a good example of how the bayon has come to be one of those standard reference, a genre that has enough markers of Brazilianness or of Northeastern Brazilianness to connect this music to that MPB tradition.
0: Yes, it shows that samba is not the only Brazilian genre that MPB and MPB is derived from after all. Shots
1: fired. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, to round things out, let's check out one more song. This is the song Baião de Nois by Tiago Araripe and Zeca Baleiro.
7: Baião de dois <laughs> é mais que feijão com arroz. Baião de dois é frato de rei do rei Luiz. Zabumba, triângulo, sanfona, baião de três Digo a vocês, nunca é demais Baião de dois é mais
6: que feijão com arroz Baião do Brasil de marinês, baião de nós Zabumba, triângulo, sanfona, baião de três Digo outra vez, nunca é demais No compasso dois por quatro, um retrato do sertão No tarrofado, a batida do coração
1: Okay, so I hear the Zabumba part that marks the song as a bayon.
6: Yeah,
0: and like a lot of the songs that we've listened to, the three characteristic for how instruments are audible, along with a few other things.
1: What about the lyrics?
0: The title of the song is Bayon de Nois, which means our bayon.
1: Wait a minute. It just occurred to me that if you were to say our baião in everyday speech, you would actually say nosso baião, not baião de nós. That's true. So by saying baião de nós, the title is a pun on baião de dois.
0: Exactly. Baião de dois is a classic Brazilian dish.
1: Yeah, I've had that.
0: Yeah. So the dish differs depending on what part of Brazil you're in, but the two from the title refers to the rice and beans.
1: Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one of the distinguishing features is that the rice and beans in Baião de Dois are cooked together, which is something that isn't typical in other Brazilian dishes.
0: Right on. But there's actually another layer here. What's that? Baião de Dois is also a song written in 1950 by Luiz Gonzaga and Humberto Teixeira.
2: Deixa trimpia cura o Homem, não vai na cozinha, que é lugar só de mulher. Hoje tá feijão de corda, numa panela de arroz. Habitão vai já pra sala que hoje tem baião de dois. Ai, 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 baião, que quanto sou? Se o baião é bom sozinho, que tira baião de que... dois.
1: whoa, whoa, this has bass guitar and all kinds of things. What is going on?
0: (laughs) Well, they wrote the song in 1950, but Gonzaga didn't record it until 1977. And by that time, it was common for Fahov recordings to be augmented, as we've seen, by other instruments.
1: Right. Well, I'll be honest, I I didn't really love the lyrics of this
0: song. Yes, me neither. Well, he's telling a man to put down his spoon and get out of the kitchen because that's a woman's bass.
1: Yeah, the melody of the refrain is kind of cool. It reminds me of the classic machishi samba pelo telefoni. <laughs>
0: Maybe not Luis Gonzaga's most original work. But the song is well-known and probably contributed to the popularity of The Dish.
1: So how does it relate to the Tiago Araripe and Zeca Baleiro song?
7: de dois é mais que feijão com arroz. Baião de dois é prato de
5: rei, do rei
0: Luis. Well, the lyrics of their song reference both The Dish and the Luis Gonzaga song.
1: Yeah, it starts Baião de dois é mais que feijão com arroz. Baião de dois é prato do rei, do rei Luiz
0: which translates to baião de dois is more than beans and rice baião de dois is a king's dish of the king louis
1: then they play with the reference point by singing zabumba triângulo sanfona baião de três digo a vocês nunca é demais
0: which is zabumba triangle accordion biome for three, I tell you, is never too much.
1: Seems like it's kind of an homage to the classic for Pé Serra ensemble.
0: Yeah, and the chorus continues. No in a 2-4 measure, the portrait of the sertão, in the tahabufado, the beating of the heart.
1: So, 2-4 measure is a reference to the duple meter that we discussed before. 1,
0: 2, 1, 2. seems to mean leftovers. So, we have a connection to food here as well.
1: Ah, I was wondering about that.
0: Yeah. They are making the argument that the baião is a relatively small art form that nonetheless captures the spirit or flavor of the sertão, the arid interior region of the northeast of Brazil.
1: Right. So there's also a harmonic shift here between the verse and the refrain, and that seems meaningful.
0: Yes, the song moves from some kind of minor tonality to a major or mixolydian one. It has the effect of opening up or feeling more hopeful.
1: I love that The harmonic shift corresponds to the discussion Mm. of the Sertan.
0: Yes. The Sertan is a place with a complex history. In the 20th century, the difficult climate there and lack of structural support led millions of Sertan residents to migrate to urban centers, both in the Northeast and in the Southeast.
1: But here, the Sertan was mentioned in this major tonality, which reads, at least in a certain cultural context, as more positive.
0: For sure. It mixes the positive associations between the dish Baião de Dois, the rhythm Baião, and the place Sertão.
1: Tiago Araripe is from Ceará and went to college in Pernambuco, but in the 1970s, he moved to the southeastern metropolis of São Paulo, where he stayed for a couple of decades.
0: And Zé is from the state of Maranhão, but he also moved to São Paulo a long time ago.
1: These specific migrations might not be equivalent to those of the early 20th century, but migration is an important element of Fajó and the role of these northeastern rhythms in the Brazilian music industry.
0: Because of that, we're going to take an entire episode to look at Fajó and migration stories.
1: So for those of you who have been shouting at us through your podcast app, wondering why we didn't talk about Aza Branca today... Huh. Do not worry, it's coming.
0: Yes, we'll quench your thirst in just two weeks. Until then, go make some baion de dois, Skyler. Don't listen to Luiz Gonzaga. Good idea. (laughs) Esse foi massa. Ah.
1: Massa is written, produced, and edited by Juliana Cantarelli Vita and me, Skylar Weldon. Special thanks to Jean Paulo Hequivita and Julinho Manges. For episode transcripts and links to further reading, please visit our website, Essefoymassa.com. That's E S S E F O I M A S S A.com. You can email us at Essefoymassa at gmail.com. Follow us at Essefoymassa on Instagram and Twitter. Our intro music is by Sonda Massa, and our outro music is by Sammy Bananas. Please join us in two weeks as we continue our Fojó series with the discussion of songs about migration. Until then, ese fue Massa.
0: So in this earliest... What happened? I don't know.
1: You jumped. Are you okay?
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) I just saw like your headphones just shake up and down.
0: Well, we're supposed to have the big one at any point here in the Pacific Northwest. I was like, is this it? (laughs) Oh my God.
1: Jeez, if we catch that live on the podcast. (laughs) Wait, but the problem is, is you're recording on your end. It's all I have is evidence of me like reacting to it. That's not as fun.
0: Watching it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But no, that was not the big one. Thank goodness.